The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. Hello and welcome. This is the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean for Renaissance Fitness Personal Training, where we put movement ahead of workouts. And my guest today is uh, Mr. James Owen Roberts. James is coming to us from the UK. He's the founder and CEO of James Owen Roberts Coaching. He's a performance and success coach, the creator of the AIM system, host of the Mindset Athlete podcast, a TED Talk speaker, an author, and a two-time Paralympian athlete. James, thanks for coming on, man. It's my pleasure, Sean. Yeah, yeah. So like I said before we hit recording, like you have a very storied uh, background here and it's very layered, um, tons of tons of things that I think you can relate to everyone else here. And there's also a few things that I, I really want to go into because I think it's an interesting um, take, especially with, you know, you go into things like motivation and stuff like that. So I'm really just excited to dig into it. So normally I like to start out with just kind of like a background story here, but I think today I'll just kind of reverse engineer that. So tell us what you do today and then we'll kind of, we'll go backwards from there. Well, my, my job is similar to yours, but I've got more of a focus on say the nutritional and, and the mindset component because I've kind of gone, well, fitness you can find anywhere if you look hard enough. So I've gone, well, where, where are the, the sticking points? where people have really problems so that like you know relationship with food uh traumatic experience in the past is all my mindset related so that's my focus now inside my coaching business is is, is working backward engineering okay you're going to come to me because uh, of an issue around weight loss which is obviously service level even i know that but if I can work with the, the other individual and kind of go, okay, if you're willing to, to unravel some of these things that may be in the, in, in the closet and work out some of the problems that could be in there for years, could be for decades, it's obviously going to make in the, the person you want to become in the sense of the aesthetical look a lot more easily to assemble because you're not a fraud when you get there it's almost instead of like faking till you make it it's like you're you're building uh and tony robbins i was watching his netflix uh documentary he explains it very very well in terms of he created the man he wanted to become so he, he's very very assured person on stage that he's a very respected person within the this well he calls it self-improvement i call it self-development aspect of health and fitness but that's where I found a massive fascination is how people operate, how's their behaviors, how's their habits. And instead of like ripping them out, let's, let's chip away at the, the things that obviously you want to change. And then we can re reinstill different ones a lot easier because you've worked through maybe some of that baggage that's weighing heavy. And then obviously becoming a new identity, as I put it, becomes a lot easier. Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, how how exactly do you really uh, dial in on the uh, the mindset aspect of fitness here? Because we, I think, all of us, to some degree, who work in this profession, and certainly everyone who is 
an active person, either in the gym or in sport or whatever, they all know the mindset struggle here. And so that's always kind of like a day-to-day battle that we all kind of run up against, either if we're working for our clients or we're just working out ourselves here. So how do you really kind of break that down and simplify that for somebody to really kind of, you know, get a hold of? Well, I think people believe it's mindset and it's a willpower and it's not. It, it's that thing is not going to be anywhere to be seen when you want it the most. So be it some of the conversations I've had recently on, on calls, I've said, based on what you're telling me, you're saying you don't have consistency and you don't have discipline. And one person said you hit the nail on the head. So I literally paraphrased their, their sentence in a, into two words. But you're not alone when it comes to consistency. Self-discipline is not very easy because to mo- to self-motivate yourself to to go day in day out to 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 something that is unfamiliar is obviously going to be a challenge in the beginning because there's an, there's okay we're March as we're recording so we we know you and I both know that it's going to, it's going to be a tailing off period now until December or January again of next year mm-hmm. but if people went in Instead of going in January, well, the first week of January, say January 1st, full throttle and was a little bit more looked at the long picture and the long game and looked at how a, I, I put a big focus on why, why is it important for you to achieve X, Y, Z? Because that's going to stir the, the, the test of time beyond three months of, oh, I got the buzz for the gym. Let me go every yeah. single day. Yeah, but you can't you can't do that because you're gonna hit burnout and you're gonna you're gonna your motivation is gonna waver because you've not built up the repetitions and the basic and the fundamentals to be able to do that. That I can sit here today and say a lot of the accolades behind me was what we're gonna we touch we're gonna touch upon probably later on. I I did lack motivation at times. I'm gonna be honest with people that there there was times especially in the winter where i live it's cold and it's miserable last thing you want to do is go outside <laughs> talking and, to a man and, from iowa here yeah i get that a lot so it's <laughs> so that it will I've, I've just shared a post on instagram um before i came on from Dion sanders of of discipline versus regret it's a it's a knife blade so the discipline has blood on it but the regret, the whole blade is red. So that's the sacrifice that people are going to have to do. It's going to hurt. But if you can remember why you're doing it and why it's important to you. So people that have got kids, it's, it's very, very, it's very easy to turn the knife in because it's like, well, why, why John? And I'm just picking a name out of, out of my out of heart now. And apologies to any John's listening. But in terms of if if you want to run around in the backyard with your kids and you're not able to do that now, that is going to remind you when you hit a rough patch or a sticky moment as I'm not feeling it. But I remember telling James, this is why this was important. I'm not saying that's going to motivate you on one one particular day, but it would give you the, the ability to to not take on some of the BS excuses that you might necessarily allow yourself to do oh i've got time i'm too tired 
But if you right. go back to the reason as why you were doing it in the first place, you're able to sometimes obviously kind of go, let's just grin and bear it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any person that's not done a training session after the fact that's regretted doing it. Unless it's right. always, unless it's one of these things that are going to make you want to be sick. So that's what, oh, I wish I hadn't done that one. But in terms of the benefits after the fact, or generally outweigh the risk at the beginning. Right, right. Yeah, I, okay, so I think what it comes down to is that, you know, the motivation, the motivation, it's kind of like, it, it's like building anything else. It takes it takes repetitions and it takes time and it takes it needs to be strengthened like anything else. Um, myself, I mean, I, I work out pretty much every day, six days out of seven. And even on the seventh day, I still do a little bit of something here. Um, but I've been doing this for consistently for almost 20 years now. So I've kind of, I've gotten to that point now where that's just, that is just built into who I am. Um, versus like someone who hasn't lived like that for 20 years. And it's now deciding to, like you said, on January 1st, I'm going to get my butt in shape. I'm going to get to the gym and they have this world of expectation out of themselves. And they find out that, you know, it's really a grind. Is that, is that a lot of what you've, ran in, you've run into in your clients? Well, I think people perceive that. I don't know if things have shifted because they don't have patience. So patience mm-hmm. is a virtue. That people are unwilling to do that. that you're talking grind. Obviously, I would, try, I, would, I would reframe it a different way. I would obviously reframe it a different way. So it's not mm-hmm. so. To you and I, that's not a negative word. But if people kind of go, well, <laughs> if it's going to be that hard. Mm, no, thank you. Where's the shortcut? Yeah. Where where can I where can I make shortcomings and get a e- easier fix to conversation I've ever put? I think one person said to me, "Oh, if I could change today, I'd do it." It's like, well, that doesn't exist. The option's not even on the table. It's everybody would want mm-hmm. to do that because it's easy. Of the the these things are. There's no fluke. There's no luck that I was successful, but be it because. I had this weird perspective in terms of I wasn't scared of going into these ventures that were unknown. It was, I wanted to do it and I was passionate about it. And this is obviously a, a, a good thing uh, to caveat from the wise. That's why I was, I did it because that's what I wanted to do. I was passionate about it. So thus any of the mental sh- thing that I had to go with it was a sacrifice as People have said to me that you are easy. Okay, that's one perspective. Yes, you're right, but because that things aligned and they were in the right place, but there's other things that I had to let, let go by the wayside of. I didn't have a social life until I probably was 20, 20, my late 20s because I chose to laser focus in on what I wanted to do, and in order to do that, that's a shortcoming. So, but... But to give some people a little bit more of a context, I went into every day of if I enjoyed it, oh, that's wonderful. If I hated it, it's part of the process and part of the journey. It doesn't matter. If you're going to be, if you want to get to where you want to do, where you're going, grin up and bear it, which I obviously, when I've spoken to younger athletes, I said, don't do that. That's, that's, there's going to be an element of you want to, you're going to hate some of them days and, 
once you start loving the thing that you do, you, that's when it's time to hang it up because you hate it. Um, and that's an extreme from one end to the other. And, and, and obviously in the between of, if it doesn't matter, you need to get up and do it anyway. So if I had a chance to do it all again, I wouldn't go into it with that mindset. It'd be if, if I enjoy it, what can I learn from that situation? If I hate it, this is the opportune moment to be able to speak, sit down with professionals in, in that field. So I work with a lot of strength and conditioning coaches that I'm lucky. I could probably still pick up the phone and speak to or email and, and I could ask something from a professional standpoint and get it. Well, in your expert opinion, based on this, this and this, what would you do? And I probably get an answer. So I would maybe have gone in with a little bit more of, um, a learning hat on to kind of go, well, if I hate it today, what, what can the moment teach me in order to, when it comes up again, because it is going to come up again, I'm very much able to adapt to that adverse situation and respond very much in a different way as, uh, Tony Robbins put it a very good way of like blaming things, but blaming on positives. That's a very good spin in terms of looking at a negative situation because it's going to, it's going to teeter on what, what, where, where you go as a result. Because if, if I'm focusing on a negative, which I did a lot in my career, that's why I retired. Cause by the end of the last few years of my career, it was a job. It was a, it was a slog. It, it was a negative grind. I hate, I hated probably not every moment, but most of it is like, oh, I really don't want to do this, mm-hmm. but I lost perspective. But if I'd have maybe had a little bit more clear outlook on of, okay, what, what is it that you're trying to achieve in order to, 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 to elongate your career? Because I think COVID and the lockdowns have made me be very, very reflective. I went back and said, well, you could have had a long, a longer career and I probably would have maybe made Potentially, I'm not going to say I would or could. Potentially, I should have made another two games. But I've accepted that the, the the future I took, obviously that didn't come into fruition. And to sit here and speak to you, Sean, today, that, that if probably go back to the very, very beginnings of my of my year, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think I would have got two. I would have been happy with one, but even that was probably a long shot. So I think from my personal opinion, it's, it's reframing certain things. I, I won't say overanalyzing because that's obviously quite dangerous as well, but looking at things as maybe from a different perspective, because our own perspective is flawed, is flawed in most cases because we just see it from one perspective. It's either right or it's wrong. And because I've gone into things that are very Eastern learning philosophy what is right and wrong and people get a little bit well where's james going with this yeah if i'm not fussed with the outcome overall which i think in the western world i think we are we're obsessed with the result the win um to the point that obviously sporting things that people get trophies that used to get trophies for participating that doesn't teach anybody that what life's going to be like, because if I'm winning, what's the point to do that finish last and getting a trophy as well, that you're, and I've watched coaching videos into like 
collegiate sport that that person's a loser it's like it's not going to teach you good values to get off the canvas or if i get a trophy for just taking part i've got some in my house so it, it's that um so we use Kobe Bryant, his 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 late daughter, and uh, one of the others, they got a fourth place trophy. He said, "No, don't hide that thing. Put it in prize centerpiece that you remember." As how does that make you feel? You don't want to be doing that again. So, so I've got a few of those trophies. So it's like, well, it's embarrassing to have fourth, fifth, sixth, da da da. But they're not they're not held on the same esteem as you know third through first, and they shouldn't be. Right. Yeah. It's the uh, that's the conundrum I think a lot of us face. You're right. Exactly. Like everyone faces periods of not feeling not feeling up for it, not feeling like I can't go on, or you know, just like but being able to recontext or reframe what it is that you're feeling, and it's you know, it's not going to change the nature of the negative of the negative situation that you're in, whatever it is, whether you're sick or you're depressed, you know, or, but it is going to change how you, you might perceive it or how you might, how it might actually work for you. Like Jocko Willink has this weird, has this interesting way of, he kind of just sums it up in just one word, like whatever it is, just say good. Yeah. You but know? that's, that's, that's up, the military, the military's like way of thinking is weird. I, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. A culture of that because my dad is retired U.S. Air Force and my mother was a NATO civilian, so I grew up in that environment of you. You don't really analyze you because good. What does good mean? To 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 if I was to be harsh to that, that's mediocrity. Well, it was like I don't think it's good as in like good enough. I think it's saying just good as in like. You know, it's just a, a way of accepting what it is, just, you know, accepting reality. That's my take on it. I don't know. I, I don't know what the man actually meant by that, but it's just. Well, that's it, why it, it, if you only give one word, it can take it can take on it. It's a world of its own and it can be taken out of context. So the, right. but obviously that's the, that's the spoken language that anything. If I if I if you were to edit something that I said today and chopped up in a bit, it would have a different meaning altogether or how in which I express the bannerism of it is, 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 but that's obviously, that's a good thing for debate because good, what does it actually mean? So for, 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 he's obviously very, very good at what he's become. And he was very, very good. He was a very good soldier. Otherwise he wouldn't have been in the U S Marines because that takes a lot of here. And same with, um, Oh, I can't think of his name now. You know what I'm talking about. As in, um, God Goggins, yeah. David Goggins. Yeah, it takes a it takes yeah. a strong person to get into these elite units because it's not necessarily, mm-hmm. and you've seen it, you know, on 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 the the reality TV programs where that they've you know them they've brought in fitness people that and they've broken, they've been broken mentally because. Mm-hmm they haven't got the resilience, the resources mentally to be able, I don't think anybody's really prepared for psychological warfare and things like that. But in terms of maybe if you have faced an adversity, like trying to lose weight from an enormous amount of uh, poundage, you've got a far superior, potentially mental fortitude than say you and I, 
because you've been resilient to show up for probably a couple of years to get from being, we'll say, three, four hundred pounds to down to what is an average weight for, 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 for a typical man. That you've got a lot of fortitude that you've been able to, in spite of criticism, judgment from other people, as I'm going to stay the course. And you see a lot of those people that if they were to do one of them programs, they, they've got more, they've got more bottle, as I'd put it, because they're able to kind of go, well, in, in the grand scheme of things, probably in their self-conscious, that subconscious, this person abusing me mentally, I've got decades, decades of worth of experience. Thus, I think somebody coming from the health and fitness perspective as they've most, it's probably a 50-50 split. It might be a little bit me skewing the, de- the data, but most people go into coaching because they like the gym themselves. Thus, well, why don't, why don't I do the job and I'm, I'm here 24-7, seven days a week? For three hundred, well, almost three hundred sixty-five days of the year. Right. Whereas the person that obviously to do within a a niche of the of of the marketplace to do with weight loss, the person that's done it themselves has a better understanding of the that person's psyche because they've done that journey themselves. I don't try and go around it. I'll just say literally, I've never been massively overweight myself but the what you might have in common with me is obviously the resilience when it comes to adversity because i face a lot of it so that's probably i could teach you some of the things that you don't get overweight overnight it's taken years decades in in in, in maybe not being able to photographs your emotions because why are you gravitating towards food as a reward and seeing maybe the gym as a punishment obviously some people would view the, the gym as uh their their pleasure place um that's probably why some people say well for the 10 years that you spent in sport maybe a little bit over the decade why did you do that to yourself well it came with the territory thus yes it's very much uh masochist of me to do that day in day out but that was obviously what came with in order for me to be become good at what i did or great i had to obviously go in day in day out and get better every single day otherwise i'm going to be left behind my by my by my adversaries and my peers so i think with 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 that mindset of you either like Jekyll Willock or uh, David Goggins, or you don't, because they're an extreme viewpoint on David Goggins probably goes hard every single day. I think at this point he has no choice because he knows the entire world's watching him. <laughs> no, I think uh, that his- I think that is his identity. I think that I, w- I don't. I wouldn't say that's him living up to it, it's it's because it, I've, I've watched some videos he said oh some days i really don't even want to put my sneakers and go running but i do I it anyway so mm-hmm. that's the mental battle is is to literally leave the front door right. and then you're good to go so i'm not saying that's easy because it's not that's the the, the the general first hurdle is that negative voice inside your head of 
Ah, James, no, James, Sean, don't do it. Don't, don't go. Just sit on the couch. Watch Netflix. Watch Amazon Prime. It's much easier because the brain obviously once was easier. Oh, what? But, but it's survival. So this is where I, I think I've, I've found a fascination into it because it's like, well, why wouldn't the body want to be in peak optimal fitness? Because that's going to make survival a lot easier. But because of the inventions that we've created over probably the, the last 200 years, we've made life easier. We've got central heating. Obviously, you live in the US, so you're very dependent on the car. We've got the motor vehicle. Don't have to walk places. Don't have to self-relegate our own temperature. Um, literally, we've got inside light, inside plumbing. The list is endless that... The, the exercise component is like probably way, way down the list. But if we go to how our brain is wired to prehistoric, that would have been number one. If I need to forage, I'm going to have to go for walks. So as you see it in, in African countries, you see it in, you know, Southeast Asia, people walking miles to get water. You and I just literally turn the tap. And so, I think because we haven't got as, um, how did thing he put it? Joe Rogan. Some people haven't got that, that doggedness. And so you either have it, I don't agree with that because I think you can cultivate that and you can build that. But some people that are very, very, very strong, like I'll say like dogs, that they're able to hunt out the weak that's a skill set that people can t to uh, build up because I'm I'm not ruthless in 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 the name of things. I I do in certain aspects of sport. I I can bring out the inner dog because I know it's there and I know in that scenario it's useful. But to say that is inherently born with it, it's almost like that na na nature versus nurture. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if, if it's ever been something that anyone is innately born with. Of course, you know, if you make that claim, what are you really measuring against? How do you measure something like that? You can, to say that somebody was born highly competitive, I think if you dig a little deeper, you find out they grew up in an environment that was highly competitive, even if it wasn't like in, you know, uh, in name or just well, I think that I think that episode deliberately, was, I think that deliberately, episode is, um, Joe Rogan and Dana White. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, for somebody, I'm just thinking like, uh, you know, everyone knows Michael Jordan. Okay. So Michael Jordan, everyone knows what his psychology on winning is like. The man is, if you want to talk about ruthless, there you go. The man is, the well, man the team, is unstoppable. His teammates hated him. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I know. That's, that's, that, that, that's, what, that's what I mean, too. So it's ruthless to the point where it's almost alienating. Um, well, they, but, they, yeah. they did say, obviously, as a result, that's what made them the best. Right, exactly. So he, he pushed them in a di in direction in an extreme way. Now, you can say he's a natural-born competitor, but I don't think that's really true at all. Because if you watch the, the, uh, the Last Dance documentary, you find out that he grew up with a lot of siblings. They were all into sports. They were competitive, you know, and... That's where he got a lot of his competitive fire for, especially mm -hmm. because, you know, I guess at one point he said his older brother was better at him at basketball 
and especially, you know, getting rejected from the varsity team as a freshman or something like that, it just kind of fueled this fire. But just, you know, just this, this idea that uh, I got all these people around me that I can see are better at me at certain things that I want to be good at. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to feel less than. So I got to prove myself. And so this is where this is where things start to sprout. This is what becomes the Michael Jordan that we know today. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's ever anything. I can't say it's ever anything you're born with. I think it's definitely something that you're nurtured into. Would you agree? Well, I, th- I, th- I think if we add to that, Sean, obviously Kobe and Michael Jordan are uh, in an ecosystem all to themselves. So I, I could throw Tom Brady in there probably as well. Right. Because they were willing to do what other people weren't willing to do, willing to do the, mm-hmm. the extra, extra yards, extra extra reps. Um, and that obviously d- d- determines... Well, loosely, why somebody's successful? Because it, if you look at what 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 is the definition of success, depends on the person. Because if I got one mile down the road, and that's what I wanted to do, and somebody else wanted to do ten miles down the road, that the the, the it's only when it comes to comparison that you might kind of go, well, in comparison to him, I'm not as good as I could have been. Yeah, but that's where you're giving yourself shortcomings. And and this is probably my argument that I try to showcase to my audience most of the time as that there's difference between competition and comparison. What you view as competition is not competition, it's comparison. Because if I'm trying to be as good as you are, if not better, but I'm obsessed, because Jocko Williams talks about this, I focus too much on you, I'm going to lose sight of what's important to me. Whereas if I used you as direct competition, so much like a, t- t- a seesaw effect, I'm going to make you better, vice versa, and we're going to obviously work collaboratively to get better. And that obviously in a team dynamic is amazing because the team benefits. But I think where people maybe get the skewed idea is they look at societal things, be it school is competition. Uh, social media competition. It's like, no. Social media in that perspective is bad because if you're trying to portray your life in accordance with, we'll say, health and fitness exp- uh, influencer, most of the people down, down the years, it's got better because people have been more open as saying, hey, my photo shoot, when I was cutting lean, I used 365 days a year. Obviously, some people don't do that. But for somebody that's trying to lose weight, that's almost like perfection as I can't attain that. It's um, this person will never be able to feel what I'm going through because their life looks perfect, which is not competition. It's comparison because who's to say that their life is quote unquote perfect. It could be that they're unwilling to share or be vulnerable, which obviously is a mask. So thus, you're not really showing your true, authentic self to everybody else unless they really, really know you, which is an insecurity. So I follow a, a, a personal trainer that's very big into mental health, and that he, he coined himself the mental health P, PT. 
So for people going to Instagram, if you find him, but people were bashing him when he, when he came up with the concept, oh, that will never work. Oh, you can't do that. But he persevered. To, I don't know how many, I can't remember how many followers he's got. But what he taught, he shared, I believe it was yesterday, of a picture of him on vacation as, I didn't read all of it, but I, I knew where he was going with it. In terms of you, you wouldn't expect me to share this picture with, I've got rolls of, it, it, you've got to really, really look. But it, 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 it showing vulnerability of, hey, i got rolls of fat here. I don't like my legs, blah, 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 blah. Like they're not in, in terms of the, it's almost like um, a male dysmorphia as I don't look as big as size as I could be. But in comparison to what? I, I, if I was look at the front color of a men's health, okay. So they got their top off. So what? But that's because that doesn't bother me. But if that's rammed down your throat, 12 months, 12 months of the year, and you read that magazine, that is what men's health believe is to be the, the optimum mental physique. Do I want to look like, oh gosh, can't think of Jason, can't think of his surname, of Aquaman? No, I don't want, I, I, I don't. Jason, I'm, I, Jason Momoa? Yeah, so he's been on, so Jason people, Momoa. so, so a lot of the things are about, are designed about around, Oh, how did this? But yeah, but if we keep being obsessive with this, this is going to cause people problems because they're going to nitpick their own lives to micro. Because I did it after I retired from sport. I I literally tore my life apart and kind of went, "Well, your life wasn't as successful as it could have been." But and I had to rebuild confidence as a result because it's like, well. Who who who's to judge my life, other than maybe my family and myself? Because obviously you're going to be your own worst critic, but it's only perspective to 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 do that. That okay, I wasn't as successful as I could have been. Okay, not everybody gets to ride a white horse into the sunset. Tom Brady should have retired last year, not this year. And, and stayed retired and kind of gone, you've played until you were, nobody's going to eclipse that because most people that I've never played American football because I wasn't allowed to in high school, but most people won't get beyond high school. Maybe the collegiate ranks mm. and the lucky few that get into the NFL. I think the average is about five years for most players. So have the longevity that he had of 20 odd years isn't going to, but that's somebody that's obsessive with their sport of those are rare breeds. And because of the, the negative association with obsession, because I've asked the question on my Facebook from time, I do it deliberately because I asked the question, what's the difference between dedication, obsession, and I can't remember what the other word was, but literally, People were at pulling each other's hair out as, oh, obsession is bad. No, no, no. What we're talking, if you're saying obsession is bad, you're talking about a kind of compulsion, which is not the same thing. If somebody's obsessive, which I was when I started my career, because it was, I lived it, I breathed it, and everything I talked about it, that by the time I was in my 20s, my family kind of, can you talk about something else? 
Mm. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try. We'll try and come up with something else to talk about that I obviously had to get educated about. But that's because I was so laser focused on that was what was important to me that I got a three point two grade point average in high school. So I was okay academically, but I didn't push myself in the classroom as much as I probably could have done. And my family would have liked, but I went nap. I'm going to, I want to go in this direction and then go down that way. So, so the aspect of the comparison and the competition is very interesting because it's very subjective as how do people perceive words? How do people necessarily come to their own conclusion based on maybe societal pressures, social, uh, social media and media pre pressures of what is more maybe in the women's sphere of, you know, perfection, whereas man, I think males now through, because of talking about mental health is coming up as well because, oh, my body isn't as good as somebody else's. Yeah. But why? Because that's subject for, for, for J Jason Mwamba to be on the front cover is more to probably could promote the movie as well. So that they're going to use somebody that is a public figure and as somebody that somebody can easily recognize versus maybe you and I, but, but women's health is changing that because uh, I think, I think the British editor for sure, they were going to put less focus on now fads towards losing weight as more about things as what do we need to do long-term to, to be able to keep these things sustainable. I think the men's one eventually will catch up. Because it's like, well, instead of doing uh, a workout according to how did any movie star get in shape for a movie, they're all over the place with their weight from roll to roll. That's very unhealthy. So maybe we should have a focus on that as, okay, if you're going from, I use Mark Wahlberg as an example of, he did the movie um, No Pain, No Gain. He played a, a criminal that is, was a bodybuilder. He put on loads of weight. But to do another role, he might have to lose weight. And they're doing this in short periods that it's probably not a very good example because he trains every day anyway. But as in most, what, most actors wouldn't be as regimented as him because he trains, I think it was like 4 o'clock in the morning every single day. That I think James Corden did a, he, he went to do one session and he couldn't do it. It's like, well, yeah, but you, you're not as healthy and this guy's made it his life that he wants to train. And, and probably because of, he comes from a part of the US that's very, very much um, blue collar, being from Boston, Massachusetts, it would be, well, I'm going to have to fight and claw to get every success that I've obviously, and he's never lost that, even though he's probably made millions. So on the subject of uh, resilience, so your own background puts you, in a, puts you in a particularly unique position to speak about resilience, just based on what I've read. So I did mention uh, that you are a Paralympian. Yep. So almost everyone knows what that means. So, so, so t t take us through what is, what is your life been? Haven't been born with that. I don't, I don't really want to call it a disadvantage because it doesn't seem like it's really been much of a disadvantage to you. 
it has in, a little bit. It has in, a little in, bit. In, in scope. Well, okay. I think so tell, if I, tell if I, if I give people some context of what I believe is a disadvantage, I start an able-bodied sport. So, yes, it would be a disadvantage not having half of my leg. That's it's probably give me an advantageous advantage as I've got older because it gives me what uh, one way of looking at adversity in a, in a completely different light because I didn't want to acknowledge it for a long, long time because it's like, well, my adver- my life is not adverse because I've been born with it. I don't know any different, but I've acknowledged that I need to own that because it gives me an advantage of going into a situation of somebody says, well, oh, my life's not fair. Yeah, but life's not fair. I I wake up every single day. I, I could go into that mindset of poor me, but I choose not to, but that's probably my upbringing um, beyond that because in, in, in the grand scheme of things, my life's been relatively easy because my mother lost her father at 15 years old because of cancer. So I've probably as a result been advantageous to probably through cause and effect of my family is very resilient of if we're told no, it's be, well, why not? Why, why, why can this not be done? Um, it's literally, I had to remind a client of that recently because they didn't want to embrace somebody being sympathetic of them having and this because they had a disability as well. It's like, no, 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 what the, what the person's telling you is in their circumstances, they would feel this way. It's no bearing on you of, yes, I appreciate you don't want the sympathy. I love it. I love it. If somebody wants to be sympathetic with me, hey, yeah, some of that energy. Um, but it's interesting to see where people's perspective goes when it's like things like that of um, others within the disabled community get annoyed when people come up to them in the street. Oh, how do you lose your leg? How do you become an care less? But it probably helps that my day to day job is talking to people. So I, Hey, I could make it fun as well. <laughs> that conversation. Okay. Why, why have we come to this conclusion of, of obviously you're interested, but why do you perceive that is hard? for me as opposed to whereas me as a coach now realizes that's a projection of somebody else's feelings but coming back to yourself of why does it make me resilient i've obviously felt woe is me probably my preteens and teens or why can't i be like everybody else why why can't i have two legs and i think once i really fully embraced myself i say you've got a disability so what if people view you a different way that's on them they didn't i wasn't viewed any differently in high school uh i'll probably punching above my weight but it probably wasn't until i i I got into the paralympic movement i started seeing strike because there is no resilience there everybody's treated as equal you there is no this handicap whatever if people are going to be judged on their ability so the, the the resilience is very much one of community and on, on, on building people up and supporting them to kind of go, well, 
where where can we aid you where you've got miscomings? Where can we aid you? So for me, the resilience is there's a lot of it. And, and I have to remind myself from time to time in business, I was, hey, in the grand scheme of things, you're dealing with people. So it's probably difficult working in a coach and same for yourself. It's difficult because you can't force somebody to make a decision. decision. You can't make somebody come to a, a rash, come into a decision quicker than they want to. It's holding their hand and getting them to, okay, I've got this problem. I want it resolved. Uh, I'm a little bit scared to the reassurance, which is a form of resilience to kind of go, Hey, everything's going to be okay. You're going to, I'm going to be real with you. There's going to be some ups and downs. It's going to be more highs than lows. If, if we can look to when there's a red flag, you, you give it as a, and we don't get, we don't put up the white flag anytime because that's the epitome of quitting. So that is real failure. Um, so I think everybody doesn't give themselves credit when it comes to resilience. They don't necessarily, because, because I think everybody in their life, if they were really truly honest to themselves, they've got more resilience than they believe. Because, hey, you everybody's going to have setbacks. They're going to have challenges. They're going to have difficulties in their life. And coming back to my earlier point with the comparison, it, 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 it's where we don't do ourselves any favors is, oh, my life's not as bad in, in comparison to somebody else's. So it's like you don't really give yourself the ammunition to build up that resolve and resilience because, oh, well, my life's not as bad as somebody else's. So I don't right. really need to face up to it. So I think the resi the resilience from my perspective is I've always fronted up. I've all, I've 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 got good role models. I've I've I said obviously my mother lost her father at fifteen. Um, my grandmother I was adopted by her aunt and uncle at, at very young. So she told her she's naughty that hey if you don't behave you're going to be sent back to your real dad. That that's not great psychologically, but there's probably an inner stubbornness that's created as a result. And my dad, obviously his family has gone through segregation in the U S in the sixties. So my adversity in comparison, it's not really that big a deal as there's not very many doors that have been slammed in my face or if the has, I'd gone, I'd go proverbial around the back and go and open the back door. I'm coming in this, this I'm coming into this, uh, this building, no matter what, if you close the front door, you're going to have to bolt it and you're going to have to put loads and loads of, uh, boardings of, to protect the windows, but I'm coming into this thing <laughs> because I want to. So if you close the door and I think a lot of, I think a lot of athletes down the years have got this kind of mindset because I use the metaphor of a concrete wall to make my point. You can go under that, you can go around it, you can go over it, but I'm going to choose to go through it. And, uh, and I was interviewed a, um, a couple of years ago with uh, one was an athlete earlier in the career and their, their, their co-host wasn't. They kind of go, you guys are singing on the same hymns. Yeah, because literally I'd rather, it, I want what's on the other side of that thing. I don't care how thick this wall, I'm not going to even think about it. If it could be this thick, 
thick. It could be a couple inches. But I want what's on the other side. And, hey, I'm going to run straight head first into it. Okay, that's it's a metaphor. I wouldn't literally run head first into a, to, to a problem head on because that's, that's like me saying I'm going to deliberately have a head-on collision in, in a car. Something wrong with you. But as in for, for that resilience and overcoming the, the it's a choice as well i can either fate front up to it i think the better the, the analogy i'm going to use is the better one of i can't remember the person's name but as in you've got a cow or you've got a buffalo cows run away from a storm the buffalo runs head in runs straight into it but if most people are are cows and they're running away from their problems, that storm's going to follow you, and you're going to be stuck in under the rainstorm. If the buffalo's run into the storm, he's going to obviously get to the to the sun sunlight the other side a lot quicker because the storm's going to pass. So that's that's I think from a metaphor perspective is the epitome of resilience. Is you you you've got more than two choices, but as in those are the the, the extremes. Of, hey. You either face the problem now or you let it manifest and it gets probably bigger. That I've obviously had that with my own life. Of I've brushed things under the carpet and kind of gone... Like later on, holy crap, it's all come back. And it's like, well, why didn't I deal with it when it was very small? Or, little, or very... And most people don't do that. But... By tapping into this, this is a Jordan Peterson uh, perspective, it makes you more, builds up a stronger fortitude because it's what's programmed into your DNA. So by facing those adversities and becoming resilient, it, it, you, you actually ma- maximize on your full potential, which when I watched that, I went, wow. I'm I'm gonna have to go and see speak to probably a psycho psycho like uh, psycho psychologist or a neurologist and a geneticist to kind of go is this actually proven? And if it's proven, why would you not then tap into hard hard times to really bring out what's the best in you as a person? Because if that's what's in your genetic makeup, that's untapped. Who wouldn't want to do that by facing your your demons, facing those those challenging moments that are gonna go off? It's gonna make me supersede my myself as I'm gonna use Grant Cardone's ten X. If I could ten X myself by doing that, who wouldn't want to do it? Right, right. I think the reason why I um, I didn't uh, categorize or uh, contextualize your uh, disability as being a disadvantage necessarily mm. because from where I sit if you didn't, if you weren't born that way, you wouldn't be here with me right now. And everything in the last, everything in the last, you know, few decades of your life would not be what they are. So I guess again, going back to the idea of reframing, you know, a negative and turning it into a positive, that's kind of where I was coming from. Well, I I I, I, I agree, Sean, because that's my perception as a like say 10, 11, 12, 13 year old was, hey, I want to be like everybody else. But everybody I went to school now admires me of what I was to achieve 20 years later. 
Because like, oh, it's like reacquainted with somebody I, I hadn't spoken to in 20 years. Like, oh, I'm catching up with your life. You've done a lot. Hmm, yeah, that's only the half of it is on Facebook. As in, uh, it's only through doing podcasts, doing talking events that when I've actually actually sat to sit, sit down, this is a number of years ago, uh, for, for a local um, uh, councillor in, in, in local government. He went, what have you, what have you really achieved? Like, good question. I'm going to have to sit down and get back to you. It's a two page document. And I went, wow. I didn't realize it was, I've got that, that, uh, so obviously the introduction is only half of what I've achieved. So for me, because I lived it and breathed it, it's like, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, but it is a big deal because if it wasn't for the disability, I wouldn't have a lot of, had a lot of these opportunities and these doors opening to kind of go, okay, if you want to work hard uh, and be disciplined to do this, and I'm not saying I did it myself because I, I didn't. I had a good, good support network around me. That hey, this might become so a lot of other things that I've been able to establish as a result. Podcast, it helps to obviously do what I've I've achieved, um, because it gives me a lot of authority and credibility straight away. Oh, James, you've done that. It's got me clients. Of oh, I I looked at you and. You're very good with your clients, and also you've achieved this. Oh, I'd like to work with you. Some people, obviously, is a turn off because it's like, well, oh, gosh, is James going to be, unless they don't know me or have listened to what I've I've spoken about or, or listened to podcasts, oh, it's going to be a taskmaster. So, no, if you don't want to be coached like that, I won't. I won't coach you like that because I didn't have a choice. I can't tell. I can't tell uh, coaches within national teams hey, i want to be coached like that you know there's the door james <laughs> they might be they've changed probably now because they've had to because they've got to you've got to obviously be more uh man management person and, and i think that's how i've evolved as a coach as hey i'm gonna coach you how you want to be coached and sometimes i might have to be the the authoritative person because they uh, you 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 may be skipping some things you, you you're not giving your full potential as hey at the end of the day is why you're paying me is to keep you accountable so i'm going to put your feet to the fire maybe put them in the fire from time to time because i come on this i'll make you wake up because hey if i if if i was to put my hand over open flame i would learn very i've never done it but as in you learn very quickly. Yeah, don't do that again. But some people need to be reminded as, hey, your way has got you to this certain point. My way, when people do it together, they get a result. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'd, and when I've obviously showcased clients, some people are like, oh, good job. I didn't do anything. I've been supportive of the other person. You need to give credit to the client, customer. Oh, I don't know the person. That was quite a funny conversation going backwards and forwards on my Facebook. But I was like, well, you don't really know me either. You just know me from a presence. You don't, you, you don't, you're not around me 24 seven. So, I, I, it was quite interesting with that person not giving credit where it was deserved. It was like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll obviously respectfully 
acknowledge that, hey, I'm I'm good at what I do. But the person that's done the work is the other person. It's like give them give them a round of applause because we don't do enough of that to celebrate when things go right. Um, this is probably where my viewpoint was skewed with success. As how I can only I can only celebrate if I win. Yeah, but that's that's so flawed. And some of the athletes I've spoken to. Uh, I spoke one specifically on my podcast um, a couple of years ago, but he did a mental thing 20 years ago to me, to, to me and other athletes when we started our journey. I wish I'd have asked him more questions at 15. Of, okay. What, why Mark should you not focus on a gold medal most of the time? Cause that's what I was obsessed with. Oh, gold medal, gold medal, gold medal. I still can't ask you why. And that's nearly yeah, was, yeah, ten years later from that, from retiring. Whereas Eve said, from a oh, motivational oh. point, you need to have other th- tangibles to motivate you to get out of bed mm-hmm. on those hard days, because the model's not going to give you the satisfaction to. It's not an it's, it's not an, an incentive or a carrot to dangle because it's. it's potentially four years away, three years, two years, a year away, that you need to use other goals between that to kind of go, okay, do you want to get stronger? Do you want to get faster? Do you want to get fitter? Do you want, obviously the health aspect is, it should be a given, but to give you a little bit of milestones to achieve along the way. So I think my view back then was skewed because it's like, well, you want to go to the height of the sport. So why don't you go to the very pinnacle of the mountain top, which is probably not great because it's like, well, what got me from, well, I'll use Everest as an example from the bottom of Mount Everest to base camp. There's going to be milestones along the way and climbing the ladder that you maybe didn't give yourself full credit of achieving of it's a bit easier to make a national program with a disability because there's not as many of us, but you're going to have to have the ability and be very good at it in the first place to be even given the opportunity to get in that position. So that may be where I didn't give myself credit as, Hey, you've got raw talent and you happen to be well, I ha- just so happened to be good in multiple sports. So the, the old saying is the Draco, jack of all trades, the trades of none, which is not fair to an individual because it takes, you're going to have to be very, very good to be able to do a multi-sport athlete. So Dion Sanders is one in the US and Bo Jackson is another, but they did it at the very, very top. So both of them, well, both play American football and baseball simultaneously and did very, very well at it. That's obviously gone by the wayside over the years of with um, sports specialization that you need to be the best at one sport, which I think is going to not make the athlete as well-rounded as they maybe was. Cause my dad was a f- free letter sportsman in high school. 
that's probably unheard of nowadays. Okay, we are talking about 50 years ago. But I've probably got the great genetic makeup of my father's side, very sporty. My mother's side of the family, very sporty. That for me, I just wanted to do it. So I think once the things were laid in, in front of me of coach saying to me at 15, why don't you do disability sport? I was like, well, I can, I can hold my own within, within the league I was in. It wasn't a very good league, but to be able to beat people of similar ability with all their limbs functioning gave me a lot of very much, very, it, it did stoke the ego because I'm better than you because you should be beating me because you've got all your limbs. It was nice when it was the pushy parents as well because like, well, yeah, he should be beating me, shouldn't he? Johnny should be beating me because he's got all his functioning limbs. I had a smile from ear to ear. I was like, yeah, but you're not giving me enough credit that I might be better than him. And I'm going to have to be better than him because I, I'm not able to generate as much power in my legs than he is to, uh, I think one, I swam one last competition swim meet for, for my team before I went to university. Um, cause the league was up to 19. So I was like, Oh, can I do one last meet for you? Uh, and I'd gone, I'd come back to the UK for, for training all over the summer to, to make an international team, um, the following year. Um, it didn't work out. So I'm crap cause I was homesick. But once I put back in familiar surroundings, it worked. The three months that I spent over here, I saw it in the meet that, um, because you're put into races based on your times, somebody tried to stay with me. I was like, no, you're not going to live with me. I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gone now. But, but I was content with just going through the motions up until that point. I was like, no, 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 you're better than the, this field. But if I'd have gone into the, the mindset, from the start, I probably would have won the, the my, my age group because I would have been faster than my the, – I think I finished second and a teammate finished first. But if I would have actually gone in with Fulham, I'd have beaten him as well, and he would have probably acknowledged that. So that's kind of the mindset I've taken on board now as, hey, you can't go through the motions to, okay, I play wheelchair basketball now. My coach will toggle around my, my, my coach drink, James, you're not doing this right. So you can literally call it, whereas for maybe the other ones that are a little bit susceptible, they don't have the mental fortitude, they don't have the mental toughness that I think certain generations kind of instilled to them as like, life isn't fair, that he'll categorize and blanket statement, the group is doing something wrong, that if it's me, James, you're not doing this right, or... And loads, loads of teammates would take a pop at me. It's like, mm, I don't so like what, it. Uh, so what, what, what's the aim system? Talk to us about that. What's that? It, it was to obviously give a, a directive in terms of for the people to be more specific with their goals. So some people okay. don't goal set. Um, some people maybe don't go levels deep enough to, to, to actually look at their goal under a microscope as, okay, I'll use weight again. I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay. What's the time frame? Why do you want to do that? What's it going to give you? So almost having a, an objective as what is, the, 
excuse me, what's the intention and what's the aim of your goal? Mm-hmm. So when when you maybe lacking in lacking in motivation or I won't say lacking because you don't have the, you don't have the loss ability, you don't lose the ability altogether. But if you lose motivation, you've still got those core values as why why did I want to do to set out on this journey in the first place? And I think most people don't do that. It be we go back to January first. People have the right intention to lose weight, get healthy improve their fitness but because they don't build a, a a strategized game plan alongside it to kind of go okay how long is it going to take me to achieve my goal some people have said to me i've got no time frame okay that's a problem then because in order to achieve a goal psychologically it's good to have a benchmark to put in the sand so the aim mm-hmm. system is built along those cool metrics to kind of give, well, if you haven't got any clear aims, let's work that out because you need to have a sp- well, specific goal. You need to have it that is measurable. You need to have it that is attainable. It has to be realistic and that's the time. So smart goals in a time frame. So what, why, why the aim system in particular it sounds cool that's that's one uh and my my lo- my logo specifically for it is built around uh giving credit to my my dad and my grandfather cuz uh, my father like i said was in the US Air Force and my uh grandfather was in the uh, Royal Air Force so that the the insignia of the logo is encompassing both of those uh I'm not going to call them units because the the Air Force is not a unit. Those part of the armed forces because sport has allowed me to obviously don a uniform as closely as I could probably pay respect to to my family that served in the armed forces. So the 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 aim system is probably the undercurrent of that for me is obviously built on that the those um, how would I put it acknowledgements of my my dad's still alive obviously my grandfather I never got to meet but it's like well I'm going to give credits where it's due that a lot of the the things that I operate is a direct result of probably those people gotcha gotcha so James um start to wind down now so you you've done a lot in your life I mean you've done more than I think most ever have um you've done a TED talk you're a published author You've got a successful business. Um, you're a, you know, a Paralympian. So you're you're a you're a high level athlete. So what? Where do you go to from here? What's next? Well, that's a great question. Uh, where do I go next? I think the sky's the limit because I I I, I think. When I did the TED the TED talk, it was trying to find something in equal measure to what I'd done in sport. So it was the motive weren't necessarily the the right ones. Um, I'd love to I'd love to do another one, um, and and to build on the the success of the first, the first one taught me a lot of there's probably some mistakes in there uh, that I could probably do differently again. Um, in terms of what's next. <laughs> 
I think as the business is evolving, I, I, it, it's going more and more towards, you know, the Tony Robbins type kind of aspect of speaking on stage. Uh, that, gosh, if you do ask me that 20 odd years ago, because uh, I was presented with doing Toad, uh, Toadmasters, uh, Toastmasters as a teenager, I went, no, 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 public speaking, no chance, no, 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 no. Whereas for me, that yeah. that's, I think that's the next step to be able to making an impact, to be able to have, I don't know, if it's 10 people in the audience, 100 people in the audience, 1,000. And I'm, I'm a long way behind Tony with his three decades of experience. I don't want to be just like him, but in, say, that realm of probably recognition that if I can get to something of having an impact on that big of an audience in one one specific seminar or or, or or things like that on a couple of given days as opposed to obviously coaching with one to one and doing it for, for months at a time that you make that impact like instantly. For me that 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 is probably exciting to see where the future goes. That I'm I'm open to the idea of if that shifts or, or or it goes in a different direction altogether um i will obviously venture uh when it comes to that so i think for me it's an open perspective um to wherever it takes because i think the business in it as itself has evolved the decade that i've been work well nearly a decade that i've been working in the health and fitness industry that has evolved from being a personal trainer to then going online to then to being a transformational coach to, to what it is now to kind of going, well, okay, if I have to pivot another time, obviously people that have been there along the whole journey have seen the whole picture. New people wouldn't know what's come before, but that, that gives me, uh, it's kind of spine tingling to see what, what is potentially possible if I'm open to that situation. So James, we have a closing tradition on this podcast where, because we talk about so much, I mean, we're over an hour now, I like to have the guests um, give the audience just one thing to leave with, like because they're not probably going to remember everything that we spoke about. But if they could remember one thing um, from your time here, what would you say it would be? One thing to take away from what I've said today. Oof. I can see why my question on my podcast is so difficult now. <laughs> I I I believe the one thing to take away is, is perspective, because if you're able to reframe your thoughts the way that you think, and have that awareness to be able to, there is no right, there is no wrong, because that's subjective, uh, and to be able to reframe it as, how do I want to feel coming away from this situation? So most people in general that are not self-aware will have a certain, I'm going to focus on the negative ones because I don't think most people would analyze the positive ones, but they would analyze the situation of, if you annoy me, Sean, I feel frustrated. You're able to walk away from that situation. I'm still, re I'm still feeling resentment. And, and because people are not able to reframe the situation as quickly that emotion comes up time and time again. So it becomes almost like a second nature 
rewiring uh, of the brain or James gets frustrated that thus he must want to have this emotion occur. So it's a neural pathway that I've created as a result because I can't let go of that situation because I've not looked at it necessarily. Well, why have you annoyed me? What, what have you specifically said that has frustrated me? We don't come accord as because at the end of the day, the physiological response to an emotion lasts 30 seconds which I found interesting because like, well, why can't people let go of things when they happen? Because 30 seconds is pretty quick. But why does it after a time that we'll say a week, two weeks that, and it's happened to me that this, that we're talking about a scenario. I've got annoyed because, I'm, and it's like two weeks as part. It's like, why am I still annoyed about something that happened two weeks ago? You need to reframe, you need to refocus and, and look at that perception as, Hey, at the end of the day, how do I want to feel coming away from a situation? Do I want to feel we, we're not always going to agree. We shouldn't always agree, but you're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to mine. It shouldn't affect, it shouldn't affect how I want to feel later down the line, be it in a couple hours, couple of days, couple of weeks, a couple of months, couple of years. But if I can't distinguish the t between the two and I don't have the self-awareness, these things are going to escalate. And every time that I have something that goes wrong, I'm going to respond in this way because that's the, that's the body and the brain operating how you've instilled it to do. So, it's a long answer, but I think it's reframing, having that self-awareness and being able to switch to kind of go, well, coming away from any, any scenario circumstance, how do I want to feel? So I can have that level of, uh, Trevor Marwa calls it neutral thinking, that I'm at a level-based state that is neither good or bad that, okay, the situation not mine to not gone in the way that I liked. Okay, so what? What can we do about it as opposed to doing the other alternative of I'm going to play the victim. Try to be the victor instead. All right. Well, James, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thanks again for having me, Sean. Yeah, not a problem. All right. James Roberts, um, thanks so much for everyone who's been listening. Um, we'll see you next time. Until then, move forever. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments. Cancel anytime. Every little bit helps, and I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. And you never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace.